So we have different groups, for different age groups for the children. They're welcome to go and join um, our children's groups. But uh, for now, I'd like to invite Adam and Amy and Lois and uh, good parents as well. I'd like to come forward. And we'll, this is uh, a very important dedication of Lois. That's right, yeah, just stand there. Anyway, that's right. <laughs> oh. just wanted to share this uh, verse from the Bible for Adam and Amy and also for all who have responsibility, whether it's parents or grandparents, uh, godparents. This is uh, what uh, God's Word says. The Bible has a lot to say about parenting and how to bring up our children. And uh, one of those passages is in Deuteronomy, Old Testament passage. It says this, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. It's all right, all children, when they are here for dedication, cry. You're okay? <laughs> well, you don't mind? Oh, it's all okay. That, that passage is so important because it reminds us that we have responsibilities for our children, our grandchildren, our godparents, our godchildren, if that's the right word, as well, to share with them the things of God. Our children, as they grow up, they're going to get all sorts of influences. And, uh, you know, even as, as parents, if, if parents are agnostic or they're atheistic or whatever, or, 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 or religious of any kind, whatever the mindset, whatever the values, the children will pick up things. So this isn't a neutral world. And our children in, in schools, on television, on the internet, they'll pick up all sorts of things. God has given us clear guidance that we are to bring our children up. In, in the knowledge of God, what better way to express to our children about the love of God, about the grace of God, the, the goodness of God, how to please God, what Jesus has done. There's no greater things that we could share with our children. And so, I'm so glad. <laughs> I'm so glad that Adam and Amy love the Lord and they want to bring their children up in the knowledge of God. And I know that they will do that for Lois and for Halley and will pray and will seek to do that. So I'm going to ask them, some, uh, promise, make, ask them to make some promises and then ask the godparents as well and each time they'll respond, we will, God being our helper. And then I include the congregation, if this is your church and uh, your family and you're able to say we'd like, we want to make sure that this church is a church where children can grow up in the love of God. Would you say we will, God being our helper to that. So, dearly loved, since it has pleased God to commit to human hands the care of this child here brought here for dedication, let us recall both the promise and the warning of our God. The warning how great is our offence if by anything done or left undone, we put a stumbling block in the way of one of his little ones. And the promise that if we receive a little child in his name, we receive the Lord himself. 
Jesus commanded the children to be brought unto him, saying, Suffer the little children to come unto me, and forbid them not, for such is the kingdom of God. And by his outward gesture and deed, he declared his goodwill towards them. He took them in his arms, laid his hands upon them, and blessed them. So Adam and Amy, you've come here to acknowledge that this, your child belongs to God, to dedicate her to God, and to receive her again as from the hands of God, to be trained as a disciple of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. I ask you therefore, will you endeavour as far as in you lies to provide a Christian home for this child, to bring her up in the faith of our Lord Jesus, and to surround her with such things as are pure and true, lovely, and of good report? And will you endeavour so to order your own lives that no stumbling block be put in the way of this child? We will. God be in our help. And will you give this child access to the worship and teaching of the church so that she may come to the knowledge of Christ her Saviour and enter into the full fellowship of them that believe? We will. God be in our And to the godparents as well. Will you both, by word and deed, encourage and support Adam and Amy as they endeavour to bring up this child in the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ? We will. God be in our help. And dearly beloved in the church who are in the household of faith through the high calling of God in Christ Jesus, will you endeavour so to maintain here a fellowship of worship and service in the church so that children may grow up in the knowledge and love of God our Saviour? Jesus Christ, our Lord. Thank you. So let's pray. Let's pray. Lois, we pray for God's blessing upon you. We pray, Lord, that you may grow up in the knowledge of Jesus, that you would understand as you develop your understanding, that you would understand the wonder of who God is as being your creator who knows all about you and that you might come to know Jesus as your own personal saviour, to put your trust in him. Lord, we pray that you'd bless Adam and Amy in this as parents. They will need all the wisdom as parents to bring up their children in the knowledge and love of God. Lord, would you help them? Thank you that they trust you. Thank you that they're living their lives in accordance with your word and they're seeking to please you. Would you fill them with wisdom and knowledge? Would you fill them with patience and love? Day by day, week by week, in the months and years ahead, would you, Lord, guide them and direct them? So that, Lord, Lois and, and, the children, and Harley as well would be brought up in the knowledge and the love of God. Direct them, Lord, we pray. Bless this child. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. That's a baby. <laughs> there she is. Nice to see you. Well done. <laughs> yes. She wants, to be, she wants to be baptized now. She does. <laughs> okay, thank you. The band want to come up. We're going to sing a song which uh, 
Adam and Amy particularly chosen. And uh, as they sing, we'll, if the children would like to go to your groups, as I said, it might be a shorter time this time, but uh, if you'd like to go to your groups, and uh, we'll sing this song. minutes or so. It is lovely to have uh, lots of visitors here, obviously for the dedication, but also Mother's Day. And uh, um, If you'd like to know more about the church, uh, we'd love to keep you informed. Uh, on the back there, on the right hand side, there's a table and we have these uh, little uh, slips of paper to fill in um, so that we can let people know if there's any special events that are coming up. Or, uh, or just if you'd like to know more about the things that are going on at church, please take one or fill one in, and there's a little box as well on the, on the back there just to pop them in. Uh, we will be running uh, soon a, a course for those who want to explore more uh, what it means to be a Christian and uh, what the Christian faith and sort of uh, to explore that. Um, and again, there's a little box to tick if you'd be interested in that. So uh, do have a look at that back table. There's different articles as well. I, was, I missed the very first part of the service, but I, so I might have said, Bob may have said hello to, um, now what's your name, Andrea? Oh, Andrea, that's right, yes. <laughs> Henry and Andrea are back with uh, Jotham and uh, Kevin, your dad, Jedediah and Jotham. Uh, you haven't had any more, have you? No, 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 no. so uh, really good to have you back. Love it to see you, Just, I know you're visiting, so great. A man called uh, Leonard Ravenhill, who's a, a well-known American preacher, once said this about the Bible. The Bible is definitely infallible. How else could it have survived many years of bad preaching? Now, I don't know whether this is bad preaching. It may well be. But one thing I do know, I, I wholeheartedly agree with that first part of that phrase, that the Bible is infallible. It means it's reliable, totally, totally reliable. And it means that whatever was written in it, whenever it was written, it's still applicable today. It's God's word today and speaks today to us, which is why we turn to the Bible every Sunday to look at what God has to say to us. <clears throat> Even though it was written hundreds and hundreds of years ago, in fact, thousands of years ago, it's a remarkable book. If you've never read it, I'd encourage you to read it. Try, there's the, it's split into two, the Old Testament and the New Testament. And the New Testament part is, is, is the story, the account of Jesus' life, and then how the church was formed 
And that's a great place to start, Matthew's Gospel, or Mark's Gospel, or John's Gospel, um, there in, in the New Testament. I think the, one of the passages that strikes me each time I read it as being an amazing passage is the one that I want to read this morning, just a short few verses from Psalm 139. And it just speaks so clearly about things that really couldn't have been known about at that time in the detail that it's spoken about. In, in the very simple words, it says this, Psalm 139, verse 13. For you, that's the psalmist, and it's David, who was the king of Israel at the time, speaking of God, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Obviously that refers to when he was a baby, before he was born. As a, as a fetus there in the mother's womb, he's talking about that. He's saying, you knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. It's a poetic way of talking about the womb of the, of, of the mother. Verse 16, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. So what, what he's saying is that God saw the unformed baby, as he was, as it grew and as he knit it together. And it's saying that God knew everything about him, about that, even David as a baby, even before he was born. In fact, it's saying God knew the length of his life, how long he would live. And he goes on to say in verse 17, How precious to me are your thoughts, O God! How vast is the sum of them! Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. In other words, he's, he's so overwhelmed by this thought that God knows, knew everything about him, even when he was in the mother's womb. And he's saying, God knew me and thought about me and loved me even then. That just overwhelms me. All those precious thoughts of God towards me are amazing. Now this was written 3,000 years ago. 3,000 years ago. This, this was a few years before they had ultrasound. Right? A, a, a Christian writer, Josh McDowell, said this, where, where the Bible speaks on matters of science, it does so with simple yet correct terms devoid of absurdities. It is not what could be expected from a book written by men during pre-scientific times. My mind went to this verse, these verses when I was thinking about the dedication of, of, of Lois. Thinking about her as a baby and how precious she is. 
how wonderful she is. You know, a miracle of life and of birth. And even before she was conceived, God knew all about her. And God has a plan for her life. A wonderful plan. He's got a plan for your life as your creator. God is still the creator. And what those verses tell us is that God knows everything about you and me. Everything. He knows our deepest thoughts. He knows what you're thinking now. He knows what you're feeling. He knows everything about you. And you're not here by chance. You're not here by chance. You're not just a, a sort of a product of your parents' love. They had a part to play in it, but it's, it's God who made you. God's created you. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. It's just another way of saying it. You're astounding. You're, you're, you're a stunning miracle of God. I don't know if you've ever heard, held rather, a newborn baby. I've never given birth to one, but I've held one in my arms. You know, a newborn baby. And you know the feeling you get? This is a miracle. Don't care whether you believe in God or not. You think this is a miracle. Well, the Bible says you are a miracle. Every baby born is a miracle of God. But it's a miracle not of nature, but a miracle of design. A miracle of God's design. We're all uniquely made. That's true of Lois. It's true of everyone here. You, there's no one like you, thank goodness. There's no one like you. <laughs> you, are, you are unique. You're, in every detail. Yeah, we have, is it called doppelgangers? What is it, where you have a, a double or a treble? <laughs> I don't know. But, that, but whatever it is, you, there's something about you that, not, that there's no one quite like you. You are unique and uniquely made. And the wonderful thing is, the Bible tells us that God loves us as we are, just as we are. You know, we, we are different, aren't we? I don't know what, whether you're an introvert or an extrovert. I think I'm more of an introvert. Well, I am more of an introvert with a few extrovert tendencies. I think we're on the spectrum. Whether you're shy or you're outgoing, whether you're, you're, you're a chatterbox or you're quiet, you know, whether you're, you're artistic or there's not an artistic bone in you, whether you're creative or uncreative, it doesn't matter. We, we are personally unique and God loves us just as we are because he has made us. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. And I think that's amazing. Do you know how many people there are in this world? Last time I counted, <laughs> seven billion. Seven billion. Seven thousand million people. And so you and I, you are just one tiny little speck in a sea of teeming millions. But you are not insignificant to God. You are made by God. Created. How precious are God's thoughts to us. He actually thinks of me and has wonderful thoughts towards me. And that gives you, friends, incredible worth and value and dignity. You're loved by God as though you are the only person in the world. God can do that. I don't know how he does that, but God can do that. 
Love's a very wonderful thing and is expressed in many different ways. And th this is a survey. A number of children were asked different questions about love and what they thought about love. They were asked, why does love happen between certain people? One girl aged nine said, no one is really sure why it happens. But I heard that it's something to do with how you smell. And that's why perfume and deodorant are so popular. A young boy aged eight said, I think you're supposed to get shot with an arrow or something like that. But the rest of it isn't so painful. So. <laughs> Another question that they were asked was, how do people who are in love typically behave? One girl aged eight said, well, when a person gets kissed for the first time, they fall down and they don't get up for at least an hour. <laughs> and then they were asked, what do you think falling in love is like? John, aged nine, said it's like an avalanche and you have to run for your life. <laughs> Glenn, aged seven, said if falling in love is anything like learning how to spell, I don't want to do it. It takes too long. <laughs> they were asked, why do lovers hold hands? Gavin, aged eight, said they want to make sure their rings don't fall off <laughs> because they paid good money for them. And then there were some general opinions about love. David, aged eight, said, love will find you, even if you're trying to hide from it. I've been trying to hide from it since I was five, but the girls keep finding me. <laughs> and one boy, seven, said, love is when a girl puts on perfume and a boy puts on deodorant, and then they go out and smell each other. <laughs> Finally, they were asked to make suggestions about surefire ways, surefire ways to really fall in love. And the boy aged nine said, one way to make a person fall in love is to take her out to eat and make sure it's something like she likes. French fries always works for me. <laughs> love, love is a very powerful feeling, human love. It's a real powerful emotion and expressed in many different ways. And just like Lois and Hallie are loved by Adam and Amy as though they were the only two children in the world because they're their daughters, so the God who created you is able to love you like that, but with a much, much greater love. Our love fails, doesn't it? Human love. A young man said to his long-suffering girlfriend, but I love you so much, I would die for you. She said, you always say that, but you never do. <laughs> and two young brothers had fallen out with each other and were having a real scrap. So their mother took one of the boys aside and said, now, you need to forgive your brother. Because just think, if you don't, and he died tonight, you'd regret it all your life. And he thought for a moment, and then he reluctantly said, okay, mom, I forgive him. But if he's alive in the morning... But love can be brittle, isn't it? I mean, it is. Our love does have a... It can only go so far. God's love for you and me isn't like that. The amazing thing is, God loves us even though we don't love him as we should. That, that verse I read when Adam and Amy were here, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. Has, has anyone ever done that? Just failing to do that command, fulfill that command, actually is the greatest sin that we could ever commit. Not loving God with all of our heart and soul. And 
when we think of who he is. But then you can multiply that a, a thousand times, the number of times we've sinned in some way or other. We've done wrong, we've thought wrong, we've felt wrong. Things, we, we are, we are sinful in God's eyes. And yet God in all of his holiness still manages to love me and to love you. There's a lovely verse, it says this. Perhaps Ian could put this up, but God, Romans 5.8. But God commended his own love towards us in that when we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. What an incredible truth that is. While I was still a sinner, sinful, away from God, he loved me so much, his son died for me. You know, even though I don't deserve it. God's love has never faltered for you. The, the, I, I read of us, um, a man called David Hamilton. Some of you may know the story of David Hamilton, who was a terrorist, this uh, man. He was in the UVF, uh, the Ulster Vol Volunteer Force in, in um, Northern Ireland during the Troubles there. He was a terrorist. And he was arrested and sentenced to 11 years in the Mays Prison for terrorist offences, for, for bombings, orchestrating bombings and, and bank robberies. And he said, as he wrote this later, he, he, he said that he had no interest in Christianity whatsoever. In fact, he thought it was the most boring life you could think of. But in the cell, every cell, there was a Bible present, uh, provided by an organisation called the Gideons. And it was a New Testament. And he said that he liked the Bible because the pages were perfect for rolling up tobacco in and smoking. So each time he wanted to smoke, he ripped a page out and rolled up his tobacco so he could smoke. But there came a point when he decided, well, he might as well read what he was smoking. And one of the verses that really struck him was that verse, Romans 5 verse 8. But God commended his love toward us in that when we were yet sinners... Christ died for us. And something struck him. It got, to the, it got into him, as it were. The fact that God loved him, even though he was a terrorist and had been responsible for all sorts of atrocities. And he says what he said, I began to look at my life and realize that God had spared my life on numerous occasions I realized God must be interested in me or he wouldn't have kept me alive. And eventually he committed his life to Christ. He put his trust in Jesus, received him as his saviour, was saved from his sin and eventually became a pastor of a church in, in Southport. Sorry, in Stockport. <coughs> Later on in his testimony, he wrote a book about it. He said, this is what he said, I smoked my way through Matthew, Mark, Luke and John before God opened my eyes. And that's what God can do when the love of God suddenly fills your mind and heart with actually what it is. One of the things he said, I realize God must be interested in me. That's, that's to me is the wonder of it. That God is interested in me. God's interested in you as you are, just as you are. And because he loves you as you are, in that sin, he sent his son to die for you and for me. Why would he do that? Why did God go to that length to send his son to die for our sin? Why did he do it? Because God wants us to be reconciled to him. 
You know what it means to be reconciled? When you're estranged, when there's a, uh, your enemies, as it were, you're, you're going your way, and two people, and, and then something comes together to bring them together. God wants to be reconciled to us, to you and me. And that's why God sent his son, Jesus, to die for your sin and my sin, so that we could be reconciled. He loves us so much. Some of you may remember me telling this story some while back. It's worth telling again. One day, a mother, true story, a mother got a phone call at work that her daughter was very poorly at home and needed some medicine. So she hurried to the chemist to get the medication. When she got back to her car, to her horror, she found that she'd locked the keys inside the car. It was one of those old cars where you, you, know, where you, you pop up the lock and uh, she looked around and she found an old rusty coat hanger. She picked it up, but she thought to herself, I've no idea what to do with this. So she just bowed her head in prayer and she asked God to send for help. And after about five minutes, a beat up old motorcycle pulled up, driven by a bearded man with heavy tattoos all over his arms, wearing an old headscarf with a skull and bones, crossbones on it. He got off his bike. And he asked if she needed help. She said, yep, my daughter's sick. I've locked my keys in the car. I must get home. Please, can you use this hanger to open the door? And he said, sure. He walked over to the car. And in less than a minute, the door was open. And she hugged the man and through tears said, thank you, God, for sending me such a very nice man. And the man heard her prayers and replied, lady, I'm not a nice man. I've just got out of prison. I was in prison for car theft. And the woman hugged the man again, sobbing, and said, Oh, thank you, God, you even sent me a professional. (laughs) Well, there's only one person in the world who could deal with our sin. Nobody else could. There's only one person. Nobody else could deal, could, nobody else could actually take my sin. You couldn't because you've sinned. And I can't take, I can't deal with your sin because I've got to deal with my own sin before God. But there's one person. That's Jesus Christ. God sent his son into the world to live this perfect, righteous life in every way. He loved God with all of his heart, all of his soul, all of his mind, and kept the law of God perfectly. So when he died, he could die in your place and die in my place and take my sin. That's what he came to do. He came to die on that cross for you. God loved you so much. God did something about us. A woman called Elsa de Plas was, give, was such a person who gave her life for someone she lived. She was 35 years old when armed gunmen burst into the music concert she was attending in Paris. The gunmen opened fire and instinctively she threw herself on top of her five-year-old son, Louis. Wonderfully, he survived but only because of his mum's wonderful sacrifice. And she was killed. You know, Jesus has done something even more amazing. He sacrificed himself to pay for all of our sin. He took our place. He took your place, my place. And on that cross, his hands were nailed, his feet were nailed. He, God put upon him the sin of the world. So that you and I could know forgiveness today. 
See, being, being a Christian isn't about trying to be good, about coming to church, reading your Bible, praying. That doesn't make you a Christian. They're not they're good things, but they're not. It's not going to make you. It's not going to get you into heaven. The only way to find heaven is to find Jesus. The only way to get into heaven is to trust in Jesus as our Savior. The only way to be reconciled to God today is to put your trust in Christ as your Savior and Lord. And friends, when we do that, we receive eternal life, the gift of eternal life. And uh, I, was a Christ- I was brought up in a Christian home. My mum and dad brought me to church, brought me to this church, uh, brought up as a little baby. I understood and heard all of the stories of Jesus and... Uh, I accepted it, but there came a time in my life when I realized I was sinful. I couldn't rely on my mum and dad. I couldn't rely on their faith. I had to put my trust in Jesus, and it was only when I accepted that I needed a Savior and asked Jesus to forgive me that he came and changed my life, became my Savior. This church is full of people with many different backgrounds. Some have been brought up in Christian homes. Some have been brought up in totally non-Christian homes from totally non-Christian backgrounds. And, and yet God in his way, just like he did with David Hamilton, has found a way to bring them to a place where they say and realize they needed a savior. And that's what I was brought to. And friends, can I say lovingly, you need that. You need that too. And when you receive Jesus as your savior, you receive eternal life. That's the life of God that God planned for you right from the beginning. God knows all about you. He, he, he made you. He created you. He's got a plan for you. He knows how long you're going to live. And he wants you to live for him. And he's got a way to do that. But it's through Jesus. So that when you die, you will be with him forever. Some of us, uh, well, you've, have you heard of Billy Graham, some of you? I think so many have. Billy Graham, that great evangelist, died just recently, 99 years old. This is what he once said. Someday you will read or hear that Billy Graham is dead. Don't you believe a word of it. I shall be more alive than I am now. I will just have changed my address. I will have gone into the presence of God. You know, it's great not to have any fear about death. Wonderful. But to know that your sins are forgiven and that you have a home in heaven. Would you like to experience that, to know that? It comes through trusting in Christ. It comes through repenting of sin, turning away from our life, lived without God, turning to him, saying sorry, and saying I believe that Jesus died for me. And I'm putting my trust in Christ. And I invite you to do that today, if you've never done that. You say, will a a little prayer, just a simple prayer, make a difference? It can do. If that prayer is really prayed from your heart, pray to God. Most of us came to Christ through prayer, just praying, and asking Christ to become my and our saviour. And I want to invite you to do that. I want you to invite you to do something that will actually change the course of your life. It will make you into a person that can please God. And you can live for God. And you know the Christian life isn't a boring life. It's the most amazing life. Because you know God as a friend. And as a father. And as a heavenly father. And he is the one who will actually fill your life. And give you purpose. And give you a whole new life to live. Shall we pray? Would you like to bow your head in prayer? What I'm going to do. I'm going to pray a simple prayer. And it's a prayer of 
similar to the prayer that I would have prayed, asking Jesus to become my saviour. And if you'd like to pray a prayer like this, and somehow this has just spoken to you in some way, and you feel that you're ready to do this, to hand your life over to God, and to ask him to come into your life, then you pray this prayer quietly to yourself, and God will hear. It's not a magic prayer. It's just a way of expressing to God a desire for him to cleanse you and forgive you. And to put your trust, putting your trust in Jesus. If you'd like to pray this prayer, you pray this quietly to yourself after me. And then after the service, we're going to sing a hymn, another song. And then after the service, if you prayed this prayer or you'd like to know more, would you say afterwards to me, just, you know, I prayed that prayer. Oh yeah, I'd just like to know a bit more. And I'd love to give you a booklet to read that contains a similar prayer. And we'll give you helpful tips and steps to take that will help you to live out that life for God that's pleasing to him. So this is the prayer. Dear God, you know all about me. And so I want to say I'm sorry for my sin. I want to turn from it. I thank you that Jesus came and died for me and rose from the dead. And I put my trust in him to become my saviour. Please forgive me. Lord Jesus Christ, come and live within me. And from this day, help me to live for you. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you did pray that prayer, or you want to know more about what I've been talking about, then please have a word with me. Just say, yeah, I prayed that prayer, or I'd, I'd like to know more, and I'll give you that booklet um, for you to take home. And uh, thank you for listening. I invite the band up, and uh, we're going to sing one more song to finish the service with, and then afterwards, you're welcome to stay behind, and please stay for a cup of tea, a cup of coffee in the lounge afterwards. So may the God of hope fill you all with joy and peace as you trust in him so that you might overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen.